This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. Being a business owner or an entrepreneur is certainly not for everybody. You've got to know how to make quick decisions. And I think that's one thing I'm pretty good at is making quick decisions. Agencies are tough, man. Yeah, they're not easy. Maybe I picked the wrong industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What makes a great app? Good question. The product or service has to be great first. When Facebook was in its peak, people were just so focused on getting the result. They didn't care. They neglected the brand. It went so far off brand guidelines. It just did not matter what it looked like so long as you get a result. What's one piece of advice for your younger self? Uh, Invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> no, no. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting a business? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Think about something that makes you happy and that you want to keep doing in the next five, 10 years. Is there something that comes to mind for you that you can just look back on very far out? Like Our journey? Oh God. We've had crazy clients threaten real nasty stuff to us. into the episode i just want to say a massive thank you to the startup diaries community we just surpassed 200 reviews on spotify which is a huge milestone if you had a said that this is where we would be when i first started i probably would have laughed in your face uh, but the reason that we've been able to grow and have so many amazing guests on is because of you guys tuning in every week and supporting the show whether that's with reviews liking the videos commenting sharing on socials all of that stuff really, really helps. Uh, and we do plan to take things to the next level this year. Um, we have some massive plans. I can't share those with you right now. Um, but if there is something that you can do to continue to help support the show, it's definitely hitting the subscribe button. Uh, and we look forward to sharing our plans with you in the future. All right, we'll get back to the episode. Blake, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Mate, um, we've obviously been chatting back and forth for a few weeks now and um, really excited to chat to you today. You've, you've been on uh, you know, a startup journey in a sense, which um, is really what this podcast is all about. We have a lot of people who are thinking about starting a business um, or they're in their first you know, couple of years and, and we all know the, the trials and tribulations that happen yeah. in those early days and the stories that you have. So yeah. really excited to talk to you about um, GMS, your agency, and, and you know the journey that you've been on, the lessons that you've learned, and, and we'll also unpack your, your business brain as well, which is something that I, I look forward to. Yeah, pumped to be here. Very grateful and uh, yeah, excited to unfold everything I can from my story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, let's dive in. Cool. So let's start with the startup story. How did GMS start? What was the, you know, what was the idea? How did you kind of get going? Yeah, I mean, I always believe everything happens for a reason and um, I'm pretty intuitive with the way that I uh, go about my life, my career and, you know, I, I do believe that there's this sort of signs that life throws at you. Um, I mean, I guess it started, my parents have always been entrepreneurial. Um, my dad's been in, you know, lots of different trades of business, um, hospitality, clubs, restaurants, property, mum sort of has been the operator, so they work really well. Dad's the sort of thinker uh, and, and, and sort of builds it. My mum's been the operator, so they've been able to sort of work well together and just, just sort of seeing them live a life that's been quite free for them to make the decisions they want to, for them to 
you know, allow us to have a great upbringing and the, and, the, and the education and everything that come with it, with myself and my brother, you know, having quite a small family, I really admired that. Um, and it wasn't something that I think I could have gone two ways, you know, one, just follow what they do um, and, and sort of work with the family business, um, which was definitely possible, um, or try and replicate that in my own way based on my own beliefs that I've built from growing up. Um, and I think just from, you know, having, being in school, um, going through uni, I studied uh, business at UTS and uh, naturally, uh, you know, in the first year, they, they throw a lot of subjects at you and you sort of then build a, a major from there. Um, and I was terrible at maths, accounting and finance. I actually failed finance, was able to sit the exam again. So passed it eventually, but marketing and, and sort of English was something that I was a bit more natural in. Um, quite good with words in terms of, you know, literature. But yeah, not so great with, with maths, unless I really, really tried, but it just didn't come natural. So I think, um, look, I always envisioned of wanting my own business, even before getting into, um, you know, the career and, you know, the, the big world, the, the post-university. Um, I had my first job in actually placing TV ads for Foxtel. Um, and that was quite a big organisation. Um, you know, they're a multi-hundred million dollar business. And whilst that was a great first job out of, out of university, I knew pretty quickly within about six months that it wasn't for me. Um, it was a lot of just repetition, data entry. Um, although I was working with lots of great brands at the time and it exposed me to how a big business operated, the one thing I didn't quite sit well with me was you know, climbing that ladder in a big corporation. Um, it just didn't quite sit well with me. So I went straight from working there for about a year to wanting to start my own business. Um, quickly realized after a couple of months, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, initially, I wanted to get into fashion. And, you know, before I sort of made any silly mistakes, I, my, my dad actually, he got me a, um, a, a ticket to a seminar. And that was with a company called Global One Events at the time. And, um, you know, dad used to always sort of follow um, different educational um, seminars like that. And this one, I think, was around building property portfolios and investments. And so my, my brother and I went there um, and ironically, when I was looking for work within marketing, so I knew I wanted to get into digital marketing, um, that same company, uh, a marketing manager or coordinator job popped up on Seek. So I thought, okay, that's ironic, just gone to an event there, you know, I've quit my job at Foxtel and uh, here I am looking for, for work and wanting to understand the digital world without, you know, having, having theory, marketing background, but no practical skills. So. Fortunately, I was able to bullshit my way through the interview and get the job. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Uh, he's actually, you know, still, we, we still talk uh, very much today. And um, look, that job taught me a lot about entrepreneurism, um, you know, just marketing in general, building businesses. Um, we, we threw lots of events there at Global One. And I think one year we put on about plus like 200 events in one year. So a lot of those events, we had to obviously fill the room um, and, and, and market that event. And it was almost like, you know, forming a new business and collapsing it every time they put a new event on. Um, what, what about, so what do you, cause I find that like, that's a really interesting thing mm. to me is like, what about that business taught you a lot? You know, like, is it the, the kind of rigorous nature of it where it's, you know, very fast paced? Um, you know, cause I feel like, um, you can learn a lot about culture and, and actually developing people and the mm. type of people that you want to bring into your company from those kind of experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I formed a lot of principles that um, the Greg at the time who owned the company um, 
instilled into that business. And I think you're, you're dead right. It was a lot of fast moving stuff, a lot of quick decisions. Um, you know, he would sort of come into the, the office and be like, we're throwing an event next week. We've got to, you know, get the web the website up and get speakers on and, you know, we need a thousand registrants. And so just the, the, the fast moving decision making, um, but also the ability just to think quick and, and strategize, um, you know, what customers are wanting and being topical in the environment as well. You know, th there was three sections in the business and this is how it was split. There was personal development. One speaker in particular that they had an exclusive relationship with was Dr. John Martini. Yep. So I was able to expose myself a lot with personal development. Um, the second area was business wealth and, and, and then the third area was um, property investment. So naturally three big core of, of what you do in life, right? Um, and yeah, I think, I think like the, the ability just to, to think of, okay, what, what's hot in property right now and how do we form an event around that, you know, and then we'd work with a copywriter to come up with, you know, buzzwords in the headlines and, and then I would then able to build that, that sort of web page and landing page out and have to get as many registrations as possible. Didn't matter where it came from. I just had to find where the audience and the traffic was sitting at the time. Back then, Facebook ads was taking off as around 2010 to 12. I think I got the job around 2012. Um, yeah, so, you know, naturally I had to learn myself how to fill this event, whether it was banner advertising, JV emails, um, yeah, Facebook advertising. So naturally I just learned a lot about where audience sits and, and, and how to find that traffic and, and how, to, how to step into the customer's shoes and, and, and sort of get them and persuade them to, to come to, to an event. So yeah, that, that's, that's where I learned a lot of um, building a business, how a business operates in a small capacity um, and, and also digital marketing and not just digital marketing, but direct response advertising and marketing. Um, and, and sort of that was the, the sort of leading uh, cause or not cause, but that, that's where I learned most of, of what I needed to know to have the capacity to then start GMS. And it was, um, yeah, the owner at the time that sort of was pushing me to go and, and do it after I left that company, he was sort of like, you know, we sh you should start a consulting brand because the one thing we did really well, despite some events not, you know, profiting for the business was marketing. And um, that was the, the essence of that company was, was how to market really well and, and how to turn things around really quickly. Mm. And that's where JMS was born. Started consulting and then um, found a business partner who was a copywriter at the time and um, JMS uh, sort of evolved into what it is today. So tell us a little bit about the early days then. So I find it interesting, you, you know, you, whenever you think about how a business starts, it's one person with an idea, maybe two, um, or a group of partners in a sense. Yeah. What was the process from there, you know? So how do you go from two to five people? Yep. And, and what was that process like for you guys? And what were some of the challenges that you faced during those times, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the natural ones that you, you see, like capital, um, uh, you know, being able to get, you know, recruitment in the early days is, you know, um, a lot of people tend to venture off and, or, you know, they get attracted to these larger companies, but in the early days, you have to find ways to get great people in your team. Like, what were some of the challenges you guys face? And can you talk a little bit about how you took the company from, mm. say, just the idea to, to what it is now? So, I mean, it's a common saying, but never check out of a hotel until you have the next room booked. When I started consulting, I didn't just go full-time into it. I actually had another job uh, at a, a tech company called Meltwater. It was PR, analytical monitoring, sort of like Google Alerts. Um, I was fortunate enough to get that job simultaneously as I was starting to consult post 
working at that event uh, mm-hmm. firm. And um, that, that sort of was a journey of about a year and a half. Um, initially, I was full-time with that business and then I was consulting on the side at nights, weekends, had a couple of clients here and there from, from just family friends, um, a couple of which were decent brands as well. Um, so yeah, it was quite a chaotic year, balancing working full-time still, um, consulting on the side, trying to build my business. And I was also helping out um, my family pub at the time, uh, working not, uh, three days a week, Monday night, Friday night, Saturday. So it was a full-on year. I think it was 2016. How did you do that? So that's an interesting kind of piece to the puzzle that I find. Like I, I did the same thing mm. with what we're doing now is how did you manage that? Like, you know, um, were you selling at night? you know, delivering in the mornings, you know, yeah. like how do you manage consulting? Cause it is quite a hands-on business and can be quite time consuming. Yeah, well, luckily I'm naturally pretty organized. I think that is probably like one of the most important things when you have a business um, is to be organized and have systems to allow automation and systemization. Um, anyway, back then, I mean, today, there's a lot more systems out there to help us run a business. But back then, you know, and, and not to say that there wasn't back then, but I had simple little project management tools. I had a VA um, that did a lot of my development work for landing pages because when I first started out, it was, li- was literally just doing lead gen on Facebook for local businesses. Um, so a lot of that was funnel builds, you know, and, and running ads and having to, to build a full funnel for, for clients. Um, and yeah, I think juggling those three different things in, in one year, I knew there was an expiration on it. I know it wasn't sustainable, but I also knew that this is something I have to do to, to sort of see which direction I need to go in, whether that was working in my family business and, and going down that path, whether that was, um, you know, continuing to work for that tech business or whether that was um, succeeding in my consulting and, and, and starting a business out of it. Um, and I've, I naturally found on the days, because I ended up going part-time because, you know, something had to give eventually. Um, my boss at the time was like, no, absolutely not. But I was fortunate that I had the only job in APAC at that company, which was onboarding. I was an onboarder for the platform uh, uh, that we were selling, which was Meltwater. Um, and I was basically training people that would buy the software um, on how to use it and, and being that first impression um, of the tech company from sales to account management. So I was the only one doing that, which allowed me to have a bit more freedom than other departments, say in sales, it probably wouldn't have been possible or account management when you're already dealing with lots of clients, then consulting on the side, that would be quite difficult. So um, I was in a sort of a unique situation in, in, in order to do that. Um, and yeah, I think I found myself waking up on the days, going to work for that tech company and, and just you know having to force myself to do the job versus the days where I was, um, working on my business and consulting i was just getting up and doing it straight away and not really having to be pushed or motivated to do it so that's when i realized okay that's that's where i want to that, that's the direction i need to head but i wasn't just going to quit that job and, and go go do it without any capital um I, I was I, we've always been self-funded so it took about a year for us to get enough clients to be stable enough um and then yeah made the decision to go full-time in 2017 but it took about a year and a half to make that decision and naturally again you know working at the pub i just found that um you know my brother is the one that sort of heads that up at the moment um that it was um yeah something that i loved so hospitality is great but again um just felt like i i needed to go on my own path and and do that so yeah i think i think that's the biggest lesson there never check out of a hotel until you got the next room booked and what was the expiration so so you know was it capital was it literally like okay 
the company's made is now making enough money for me to step away and actually go into this full-time like how did you navigate that process of going working a lot of jobs to then going all in and full-time into yeah the role? i figured if i could replace my salary at the time with clients and then some you know taking into account expenses with the business then that's that's a pretty good starting point to to go and you know run my own show and it, I, I think I ended up tripling my salary through the business within about a year. Um, and that was pretty evident that, okay, there's something something on here, you know, and, and having a few clients. And naturally, you know, I, it started to um, hinder on the performance of my other jobs. And, and they saw that, they knew that. We had a pretty open conversation of like, okay, let's have a chat when it becomes a problem. And it did, um, you know, results started dissipating at that other job. So um, that's when I thought it was only fair to make the decision to, to go in one, one, or the, one direction or the other. Um, but yeah, I think definitely the, the simplest thing, you know, if you're starting out, um, certainly have some sort of financial backing um, to, 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 before you do it. I'm not talking about getting investment, but you know, don't quit your job until you validate the product or service. And that was something we did. We validated the service. Um, we were getting a lot of natural organic flow happening. Um, and we able to, I was able to triple or quadruple my salary within about six months um, from really giving it a crack. Um, and then as soon as we went full time, it was, I never looked back. Awesome. And so when you say like quadruple your salary, are you talking about the income the business earns? I find that's a really interesting piece of yeah. the puzzle. Is it like, cause that we're, we're probably now looking at that next phase, which is like, okay, you now have 12 team members. At what point did you start to hire? You know, what was the trigger for that? Yep. Were you taking money? you know, as income out of the business, were you taking a lower salary? Like what yeah. was that process like? Yeah, you, I certainly took a step back. I mean, even going from, you know, full-time to part-time in that other company I worked at, I had to take a cut in order to, you know, work in, in, in my job, um, in, in my company, I should say. Uh, but yeah, I don't mean quadrupling my salary. I meant the, the money that the business was making yep. was about three or four times what I was getting paid mm -hmm. working for the other job. Um, so, uh, in terms of how, you know, to structure it just without myself, um, I, I had a business partner at the time. Um, he decided that it wasn't for him when I, we ended up going full time with it. Literally, from quitting, the, quitting my other uh, job to then going full time, the, the initial business partner ended up uh, leaving. Oh, and wow. then I thought, oh, wow, this is not great. You know, I've just quit <laughs> my job and yeah. my business partner's just gone, nah, I can't be bothered anymore. He, 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 uh, I think he had his second kid at the time, so he had his hands full. Um, and he had other stuff going on as well. He's a very successful copywriter. Um, but yeah, funny enough, I had a, a good friend of mine that was um, sort of helping me out, build it, and he was just contracting with me. And then uh, when, when my original business partner left, I actually said to him, mate, do you wanna join me on this quest? Um, we can be partners and um, yeah, can't promise you anything in the beginning, but if you wanna stick it out, then there might be something here for you. So yeah, myself and my business partner, Simon, is still, still my business partner today. Um, we, we, we went full time with it in 2017 and um, we, we initially within terms of first hires, we just did I think that first year on our own with a couple of VAs. So it was very much a lifestyle business in the beginning. Um, we didn't go really hard into it. We didn't have investment, so there was not a lot of pressure. And I think it was just a lot of weight off our shoulders to actually have freedom, you know, and enjoy that freedom. Um, but the biggest thing that really I think um, Built, built the safety and security around the business in the beginning was joining um, a business club called Cub. So Club of United Business, I'm still a member there today. Um, and that was just, again, a coincidence of having a client 
uh, one of my family friends at the time, he co-founded Vision. Um, I was working with him and he lived above Cub in Sydney and he goes, you've got to check out this, this um, business club for you know, business owners. And Daniel Hakim, the owner, um, at, at the time I was only what, 20, 28, I think he was only 24 or five. Um, I hardly even had a business and he, you know, sort of saw a lot of potential and um, allowed me to become a member and I built a lot of network and, and clients out of that, out of that hub. Um, so that, that sort of allowed me to work out of that facility in Sydney, um, you know, without the pressure, still having the culture whilst meeting people. So yeah, that was, that was really the cornerstone to, to having that sort of comfort and security uh, going out of my own. And yeah, and so then we, you mentioned the word structure, which is plays a massive role in how a business grows. Yeah. When you got you, and in the first year, you mentioned that you know you were it was kind of you two probably delivering a lot of the product, very customer facing. Yeah. Few VAs in the back end, you know, helping support and and deliver the product. What was that next kind of evolution of? All right, we now need to make a decision we now need to take it to the next level. Mm. What were some of those first hires that you brought in? You know, were you starting to, did you guys continue to deliver the product and wrap some of the other kind of segments of the business, like say, bring people into your own marketing team? Um, you know, what were kind of some of those first hires and, and uh, like, you know, why did you make those decisions? And, yeah. and then, you know, even looking at some of the strategies that you used in the early days to really, you know, um, expand and, and drive growth. Yeah. I think the hardest thing that I see a lot of business owners having and even people coming into a company and, you know, leading a team is delegation. Um, I was wearing all the hats in the beginning. So bring the clients on, uh, running the campaigns, um, managing the VAs, building the website, finance, HR, everything. I mean, HR wasn't really around then, but naturally had to sort of fit into that position of wearing all those hats. Um, and then I had to teach my business partner how to sort of do all that to then naturally progress a, a lot of work over to him. And yeah, it's just one of those things where you, you know, no matter who you're giving it to, that they're not gonna do 100% of the, the job that you're currently doing. They, they might eventually get there, but you just have to sort of rip that bandaid off, let them you know, make mistakes and, and learn, uh, but build processes around that. So you're not telling someone, over and over again you know uh, the same instructions you know that's where processes and systems come into place our first hire um mate like major hire for at the time was i think at the start of 2017 uh, we had a few vas simon and myself um, and a couple of contractors first full-time person we hired was actually a rep from facebook um he's still he's actually our account director today um, I don't know if you've spoken to reps at Facebook, but because we were working across multiple accounts, you, you back then you, you you get a you get assigned to a rep at Facebook uh, per ad account, and the ad account, funny enough, that that we got assigned to for this particular rep was the Cubs um, Cubs ad account, um, and I was doing some marketing for Cub at the time uh, to get leads for for more members, and this particular rep was just you know, outstanding. He sort of would call me up randomly, you know, see if I needed any help with the campaigns. And I think I just threw it out there. I'm like, he was in New Zealand too. So yeah, like, how'd you I was pitch like a, him? It was was a, it on the phone? It was, yeah, it was on the phone. I think it was actually on a boat. It was one of the Cub days because Cub throws lots of little social events. I think I was actually on a boat and he called me up and I was like, mate, I'm sort of out at the moment. Um, you don't need to call me, but that's awesome. I go, also we're looking for, um, you know, a Facebook marketer that can join the business. Do you know anyone? 
that might be interested in your network given that you know you're working at facebook i think it was a third party at the time that facebook uh, contracts out to and he was like yeah i'd be interested and i'm like no way i'm like you sure he's like yeah yeah <laughs> hang on yeah <laughs> i'm like you know that we're just starting out he's like yeah yeah absolutely i'm like okay um but yeah what i didn't know that that whole um contracted company that facebook was using in new zealand naturally i think they ended up um making redundant so that, that a lot of jobs were sort of open with with people that were sort of working for facebook anyway he ended up joining us and um given that we already knew his skills we were just able to have that virtual relationship um and yeah he he was absolutely like a, a turning point in the business having that like skill set outside of myself and then also teaching simon the three of us were able to do a fair bit of damage you know without having to train people and we still didn't know a lot about running a business. You know, I was great at Facebook and I was naturally a marketer. Um, you know, he was able just to provide that support that we needed to then go, cool, let's build this shit out. Do you have to replace the product first? Is in delivering the product. Is that the first hire that every startup has to make? I always thought if you have to be there to, to run the business and to, to deliver the service, then it's not a business. It's a high paid consulting job. And, and naturally, because I was consulting a lot, um, I just felt like I had to remove myself from the equation as fast as possible in order for it to become a business. And my face was attached to the brand and still is, but very much so was attached to the brand that they didn't want to speak to anybody else because everyone's like, go speak to Blake. You know, you want Facebook ads, go speak to Blake. So it took a bit of time. Um, you know, I'd get comments back going, oh, look, you know, such and such is doing a poor job. We want you. And I'm like, well, it's just not, I'm not going to step in just because you want to. And, you know, it did take a while to fully remove myself, but yeah, I do feel that um, once, one, uh, and another thing as well, it's not about just hiring talent. I think that the systems and processes build a business and, and the people drive it. And that's a, that was a big learning for us as well. Although, you know, Matthew, our account director, is an absolute wizard, we can't clone him. You know, the more we grow, we need more Matthews. Um, but the systems and operations are able to deliver a, a sort of a approach to scale the business. And, and that's what we spent a lot of time during COVID on building because we ran the business very much just from our own skill set and in our heads until we realized, you know, when we'd bring on an influx of clients, we'd always have cracks form. So having systems, having, you know, operation, having project management systems, CRMs, um, you know, things to automate mundane tasks, um, you know, having virtual assistants, all that stuff is very important um, before you start scaling and bringing on hundreds of clients. Yeah, because it's profitability, right? Like, I think that's one of the realizations even for me is like, you can have amazing people, but it, if you're trying to grow a business beyond a small group of people, inevitably, the more, and you mentioned it before, the more organized you are and the more processes and systems you have in place, once you get to say 12 people or 15 people or 20 people, um, you know, the difference is, is an unorganized group of 20 people might generate 10% profit. That's right. Whereas a really organized group of people can probably push to that 25, 30% mark, which is a great business, yep. especially in the service field that we know, you know? So absolutely, that's a great point and absolutely love that. Yeah. What were some other things in the early days that um, you guys leveraged to, to really grow the business or potential strategies that you used that really made a massive difference in say that jump from, you know, the three of you with some VAs to maybe, you know, the. The, the, the 10 kind of people yeah. or person mark? I think 
a lot of the past experience I had with those several jobs I mentioned, I took a lot from those and took different pieces and elements from all those learnings into building the business, as did my business partner, Simon. He had a very similar background in media buying. So I think leveraging, um, you know, all those skill sets and learnings, um, but also a lot of it came again, going back to that event company that I worked at. Um, I think the fact that we're able to leverage a lot of the coaching space at the time and, and I naturally was surrounded by that. So fortunately, a lot of the speakers that we worked with at that event company, we naturally ended up bringing on board um, just from referrals and just knowing that, you know, I was, I was sort of working at that company now running ads for, for, for clients because I was just running ads for that company, not clients at the time. Um, we we had a lot of a lot of organic referrals coming through um, from from that and and sort of built a bit of a niche within the coaching space um, and then once you get a few on you know naturally it's because it is a small small sort of industry um, a lot of a lot of other coaches started to hit us up um, outside of that again I've already mentioned it but outside of that I think one of the the biggest um, I guess incubators for for building the brand and, and having a natural flow of clients and and um, yeah, just referrals was, was, was having that business club. So being surrounded by a network of other business owners. Um, so I think the mix of myself being able to do a few seminars and actually get up and speak on stage with some of our clients. Um, you know, one of our clients took me over to London. I was speaking on stage. We developed, you know, some products around, you know, Facebook advertising and education, um, being around Cub and having a network to leverage. Um, and then just, yeah, I guess just, um, you know, doing our own marketing, practicing what we preached. We didn't run an ad for the first year in business, but when we started to, you know, then we started to get uh, new clients coming to us. And that's, that was the biggest, that was actually probably the hardest nut to crack was, cool, we can get referrals, we can get, we can leverage our network, we can leverage, you know, Cub as a, as a, as a business club, but like getting someone who doesn't know us into, um, you know, a, uh, our database and getting getting them on board that was probably the hardest thing to do but once we cracked that that's when we knew we had a brand on our hands because that's the next step right that's where you you know like i think i always feel like the first iteration of business is proving your product yes making sure it's valuable that's and you need to do that in the early days like you don't want to over market your service and if you're selling a horrible product that no one finds valuable or it's not uh you know, you're not doing it at a good level. Yeah. It's not proven. And you only really get that by kind of increasing the flywheel all the time where you, you've always got some leads coming in um, through word of mouth. Mm. But I always, you know, I think the next iteration is, is always like, okay, how do we double or triple our volume? Yeah. And that comes from your marketing, um, mm. which is, you know, really interesting that you say that. Yeah. Um, and your family are your biggest supporters, but you can't build a big business on your family yeah, and your yeah, friends, exactly, can you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And nor do you want to sell to your friends. I actually, as much as I like to help all my close friends and family, I don't want a full book of family and friends, naturally. You know, if anything, I sort of like to do it for free, as bad as that sounds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, it's uh, interesting. Like, it's one of those things in the beginning, you have to do it. You have to. Right? Yeah. You have to because, yeah. that, you know, they will be your first customers. Yeah. Um, and you need to, again, like... You can't prove your product unless you're actually delivering it for customers. Yeah. You can talk about it all you want. Your mate will forgive you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You burn it. Yeah, exactly. And then it's you know, I, but that's, it's really interesting that you say that. Is that that next iteration is always about how do I increase volume and always that 
does come down to you know your marketing um, activities and and kind of how do you take that next that next step? What is what is that next step for you in terms of marketing activities? And yeah, that's um, right. I think there's an interesting relationship between like founder, like you know yourself stepping out, mm. your and your partner having to deliver the product so that you can go do yeah. a lot of those things you can go sell a little bit more you can go do events you can network you can start to you know um, execute some of those activities which yeah. is always you know again something that you have to do is that next iterative step yeah 100% yeah that's right mate we're going to shift cool marketing 2023 what's 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 happening far out what a complicated world we live in right now um, yeah look I think the biggest shift that we found over the years um, is definitely like the creative element. I think TikTok has definitely influenced a lot about how we consume media online. I'm speaking more from a social media perspective at the moment. Um, but yeah, the, 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 I'm finding that, you know, the boycott of Facebook is, is, is sort of a theme at the moment. Um, but also just people growing up with Facebook, you know, there's probably not a lot of new adopters the 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 sort of market of facebook we're all sort of aging um and it's this new generation now on TikTok. um and i think the way that we consume media has has literally shifted overnight um you know back in the day when i when i when i was first running facebook ads you could literally jump on the stock library of facebook and you know i'd, I'd be working with vision pt at the time and um i would just type in personal trainer lifting weights and get a stock image up and literally just have like you know, apply today for a free membership or free trial. And that would be it, very simple. And because there wasn't a lot of saturation and competition back then um, on, on, on Facebook ads, you'd able to cut through the clutter pretty quickly. Fast forward to today, there's a lot of, the barrier to entry is, is literally, it's so easy to create websites. It's very easy to build a business. You can slap together, you know, a landing page and call yourself a business by a domain overnight almost. Um, so there's a lot of um, distrust happening right now online. There's a lot of scammers, a lot of people who, you know, are claiming lots of outlandish things and, you know, get 30x in, in 30 days sort of thing. And it's, it's ruining it for a lot of other people. So I think there's natural distrust right now in the marketplace online, um, which then uh, uh, forces us to, to get better at marketing. Um, so it's not necessarily a bad thing. Competition creates quality and improvement in what we do and what we practice. Um, so this whole TikTok revolution, fast moving, you know, motion graphics and reels is really what's happening right now. And it's, it's, it's making it a little bit harder for an advertiser or brand to, um, to, keep, to keep on top of everything, right? We've got Facebook's ecosystem, we've got TikTok's ecosystem, then we have Google, then we've got programmatic, like there's a lot out there and a lot to get confused by. I guess it makes our job as an agency a lot more important because people just can't be bothered to keep up with everything. Um, and we have to naturally as an agency. Um, but I think, I think this year, yeah, we're gonna see a lot of um, you know, privacy first. Obviously that's already been rolled out with iOS. Um, you know, the, I know uh, Meta have just launched their verification you know, subscription just like Twitter has. So that'll be interesting to see um, you know, the, the cause and effect of that. Um, and yeah, I think TikTok's gonna be something that yeah, everyone has to watch. Um, it's very much an organic platform still today. I think the advertising part of it's still in its infancy, but that's gonna be a powerhouse. And I think things are naturally gonna move that way for sure. Is Facebook dead? Uh, definitely not dead. It is, is it dying? whether you say it's dying is another question. Um, 
I think there will always be a place for Meta, and I think it will evolve because let's face it, Mark's a switched on guy. Um, people are still using Instagram. I use Instagram every day. I don't really use TikTok. So I think with Web3, there's going to be more ecosystems and I think splintering happening versus back in the day, we had the one platform, the one news feed. So everyone's battling different, there are you know, all these different opinions on the one news feed and it created chaos. So I feel that's where Web3 and this whole revolution is, is going to lead us is more splintering and more breakouts, more sort of niche communities where people have a similar mindset or a similar way of thinking or, you know, whatever it is, it, it, it's, it's going to be more yeah, segmented, I feel. Mm. Um, and, and so you mentioned something before. In the, in the current world today, is the focus more on creative? Yeah. Like you we, mentioned before, you could go get a stock image, whereas now yeah. it's, we're in a, it's, it's a totally, yeah. you know, like a totally different world and the creative is really important is that kind of where you i think so i've yeah from advertising over 10 years now um i feel the creative is a a very more important piece and it always has been it's always been important but it was hard to create good creative 10 years ago now it's you know we have canva and all these different systems and a lot of a lot of very skilled videographers out there that we can leverage and we partner with lots of different creative agencies and contractors and you know we had our own we've got our own content sort of department now as well and Um, yeah you can't have one without the other Uh, I think like the three most important things when it comes to creating a good marketing campaign online is obviously the overall strategy uh, the copywriting and the creative outside of the placement because anyone can really place an ad it's 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 set up in order for anyone to place an ad and that's that's um, that's what you know social media platforms are doing to monetize is to try and make it as easy as possible for anyone to go on and and, and create an ad so yeah I think the creative element people need to spend more time on um, you know, having thought-provoking messaging, um, tapping into their customers' needs and, and emotions, um, and, and not just being lazy and slapping an ad together and trying to sell. It just doesn't work anymore. Mm. Team, if you're loving this episode and you want to help support the show so that we can continue to grow and share the wisdom of amazing individuals, please remember to go hit the subscribe button. You have no idea how much it helps us. Team, just a short break. I want to say a massive shout out to our major sponsors, BizCover. They are a big reason why we get to do what we do every single week. These guys are professionals. They care about your business and they care about the business and startup community, which is something that I really love and a reason why we chose to partner with them. And plus, they make the process of getting your company insured super seamless, which is really important with such a tedious process. I've been a customer now for 10 years. I have made claims. It has been super easy. Uh, and, it, you know, with, as I said, with such a tedious process, these guys are the best in the business. As part of the Startup Diaries community, uh, they have given us a promo code, which is Pivotal25, getting $25 off your business insurance policy. Make sure you head over to bizcover.com.au. The link is in the show notes. Get your company insured with a great company. We'll head back to the episode now. How we, a client comes in, how are we marketing their business? Like what I really want to do is give our audience and our community an understanding as to kind of how you think about marketing and mm. more importantly, a takeaway for them to go away. And if they're a startup, if they're a new company, how do they market their business, you know, in right now, you know, like in the modern age with how things are changing, mm. you know, how are you thinking about it and, and what do you think they should do? Yeah, there's, there's sort of three pillars that we structure and how, how GMS is structured and what we look at when bringing new business on as well. Um, 
and yeah, there's look to to be honest with you, there's a lot of brands and businesses that come to us that are simply just not ready to start advertising. And I think this is the most important thing to to know when starting out is to have a timeline of, of events. And um, you know, the, the first thing you do when building a business is come up with a strategy like what is the product or service and and what problem are you trying to solve. Um, and you know, we, we get some brands coming to us and they've just slapped a website together. There's no organic traffic. They haven't built any following. There's no database and they go, we want to start advertising. It's like, well, no, take a bit of a step back. You're not ready. Um, and I think it's important to know that advertising is not, it's not the answer to all your problems. Um, I think it's typically the last piece of the puzzle. Um, there's so much more that goes into building a business and not just doing all those bits and pieces like building a website, you know, uh, having an engaged following, um, you know, posting organically, you know, doing collabs and partnerships, um, you know, all those things that you need to do to build a brand and, and, and prove the product or service first before you go out and start spending money. Like we mentioned before, validate your product or service. If, you're, if you haven't validated your product or service and your friends are buying it and, and you go and start pumping thousands of dollars on ads, you know, you're going to be throwing a lot down the drain because things change over time. Marketing is trial and error. You know, you're going to get things wrong. Um, and I think like there's a lot of, lot of systems out there to, to leverage to, you know, get a good creative done, to get a good website done, to build a good funnel, you know, CRMs out there with email, email automations and all that sort of jazz. So there's a lot at our fingertips, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I think, you know, there's that saying of just, you know, jump off a, jump off a cliff and build a plane on the way down. I, I do think that now because there is so much clutter and saturation that we do need to spend a little bit more time on developing a good product or service before we start giving it to the masses. So your three pillars, or, or like if we were to say, how do you generate a lead? Yeah. How does that get done? So like, let's say you are that company. I, I wanna touch on two things here. I wanna go, okay, so we talked about being ready. Mm. How do I get ready? Yeah. Right, like what do I, what do I need to do? And kind of how do you look at that process? And then number two is I'm ready. What am I? Ne- what am I now doing? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's earned media, there's owned media, and there's earned media. So let, let, let's start with your owned media. So your owned media is your website. It's your your database. It's it's everything that you own as a business. Um, that's that's where you should get started first. I think um, you know not spending hours and hours on a website. I think, you know, depending on, if you are an e-commerce business, obviously you're gonna to need to get a good website done. If you're a service business, you know, get a good landing page done. You don't necessarily need a website. But I think you need to have, you know, your, your owned media validated and set in place before you start advertising. So the three pillars that we work with is, you know, all your websites, your tech and automation parts, all your back end of your business. Um, there's no point sending traffic to a website if there's leaks and if there's no retention strategy in the back end with emails, you know, all that stuff needs to be humming before you start th- uh, driving a lot of traffic to it. So, w- and, and that's the natural way you should be building a business, you know, getting all that stuff done first. And then, you know, you can't run an ad without having creative content, whether that's getting a photo shoot done, um, getting videos done. Obviously, if you're a product, there's a lot of product shots you need. Influencers, and not just influencers today, but TikTok has created a shift of getting people who have a following to now getting people who are good at creating content. So the creator marketplace, I yeah, think, is now a, a really, really important element that people need to 
um, start thinking of is, is not looking for people with big following, but looking for people that can just create great content and showcase your brand and getting really good user-generated content for your brand as well. Um, it's not a matter of just getting some stock images or a photo shoot done and calling that creative content and that's, and that's, and that's all you need. It's having a, a mix of you know, imagery, it's having a mix of storytelling through videos and having a mix of user-generated content to showcase customers where using or, or trying on your product. Because that's what TikTok's done in my opinion. It's taken the uh, focus away from followers. Followers 100%. mean nothing on TikTok. That's right. Coming from a, we have 100,000 of them. Yeah. Means nothing. Yeah. Um, yes, it gives you a good kickstart with your content, but you still can have a piece of content that will only get a thousand views. Yeah. And I think you're right with that. Is it's it's opened up the playing field a bit where you can go to someone who has zero followers, be like, wow, they've got potential and they mm. create really engaging content. Um, and and then the the idea isn't just them posting a link to your website to drive the traffic there. It's about I feel like TikTok's added this another layer now where your user-generated content says a lot about your product. That's right. Um, yeah, 100%. And, 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 you know, in my opinion, I'd love to get your take on this, is really what we're seeing is the friction between product and media or content and attention is mm. being evaporated, mm. right? So, you know, you look at TikTok, TikTok shop, what, it's not here in Australia yet, but... Um, you see a lot of these platforms, that kind of middle piece, you know, the not the websites dying or yeah, disappearing, yeah. but it's, you know, I feel like there's the friction bet between, say, product being bought and the attention that's being generated through media and entertainment. 100%. It's just being evaporated, yep. you know, and, and the user experience is becoming a lot better for... for the end consumer so yeah it's interesting yeah definitely i think um yeah 100 i think you need both elements there it's not I don't, I don't think it's one or the other um i think for a product 100 percent and 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 apps and platforms are creating these shopping experiences so they so users spend more time on the app that's pretty it makes sense right mm. they don't want people to go off site to uh, someone's website um and hence the whole cookie-less world is driving this need for apps to make users spend more time on, on, their, on their platform. Um, so, you know, Facebook have their own shopping experience. Um, they've got their own, you know, lead forms now. They've, they've been around forever, but there's, there's been um, some updates with lead forms. You can literally create a, like a landing page experience as a lead form now. So you don't really need to, you know, build a whole funnel and get development done. So yeah, you, you don't really, you know, and that's probably eating my own words I said before, you don't, you don't actually really need a website to begin with. You can test your product or service without spending hours on a website. Um, I mean, obviously as a product, you're gonna need a, pro a website to facilitate organic traffic and, you know, to, to you know, get SEO working and all that, all that jazz. So it, it's, not, it's not a replacement, it's a complementary tool that we have at our disposal. And a good way to test your product or service without, you know, the one mistake I had from building a business is I probably spent weeks and months on end if I accumulated the hours on building a website that was crap <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, yeah. and like, I've had my time back. I probably wouldn't have even, you know, spent time on doing so. So when I say owned media, it doesn't necessarily mean 
um, you know, spending all this time and money on a website. It's just having things in place that um, will support all the stuff you're doing on the platform. So you're not reliant on just that platform because platforms change. So the three pillars, it's your own media. It's all that stuff, building your database, your customers, your, you know, your, your, your it's basically your database, right? And then, um, you know, your creative content, uh, which is all the attention that, that you need to to then to then um, make the earned media work, and that's that's where advertising comes into play. Um, and trading platforms like a vehicle, you know, vehicles come and go. Uh, Facebook isn't going to be around forever. TikTok might not be around forever either. But following where the attention is and the audience sits in order to drive people through your earned media all the way through to your owned media. Yeah, hundred percent. So like an easy way for people to think about that is what you know you what owned media is what you own and yep. what no one can take away from you that's right you know, 100%. so if you build a database of email lists yeah of email sorry that's yours no that's one right. can take that away from you as long as you don't fucking lose it <laughs> which you shouldn't yeah. um but that's what you own it's the same with your website you know that's yours um, yes and then your earned media is like a following on instagram it's like you know your engagement on tiktok yeah it's all these kind of platforms that change all the time and yeah. algorithms change and all these things you can't really control mm. you can only adapt yeah um and that's kind of what you're talking about in terms of your earned media that's right yeah yeah I and mean, i think it's not it's not a matter of just trying to pick one platform it, it, it's a matter of like i said what's suitable for that particular product or service at the time and where your customers are sitting you know, we, we're omni-channel. We don't just focus on the one, even though we did at the start, that's how we started. We got really good at one of them. But now we, you know, we, we spread advertising across to Pinterest, even Snapchat. People think Snapchat's dead. That's still yeah, well, very much alive. That's a big one. I'm yeah, finding. you know, and, and Snapchat, have, I think they've like set some sort of record with their user base. So it's still growing, which would surprise a lot of people. Um, it's, it's, I think it's the second fastest growing platform. There you go. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure TikTok's the fastest. Yeah. And they're not as big as Facebook and Instagram, of course, but they're, f they're growing at a much faster rate mm. and it's because of the younger generation. And I think because this whole Web3 evolution, they were ahead of the time with AI and their filters and stuff. Now that that's starting to be more prominent, it's, you know, people are starting to adopt it um, again. I use it a lot. A lot of my friends, I mean, I actually logged in the other day and I've, there's no, nothing going on in my app at all. But yeah, I think there's, there's a lot more new adopters to it. And that's probably the young, younger generation getting on board with it, perhaps. You know, if you speak to a 15 year old, they don't know what Instagram is. No. And that sounds wild. <laughs> yeah. They don't use it's it. because their they parents are on it. They don't want to be one where TikTok, their parents are. Snapchat are the two big ones. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's another really interesting kind of, you know, thing that's at play, I, I find. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And then, and then yeah, outside of, outside of creative, we've got, you know, this whole chat GPT thing taking off, which again is going to, I don't know. It's it's going to create a lot of opportunities. Um, a lot of people are scared of it, and I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us to leverage it. I, I don't know how we're going to, but yeah, being able to have that at your disposal to to pump out content and you know, um, you know, again, it's a complementary thing. I don't think people should be scared of AI. I think how do you leverage that to 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 sort of build a, a better business and better user experience? Yeah, and so let's talk about ads then. So mm. ads is an interesting one. Like obviously we talked about Facebook and, and what's happening there. How are you seeing ads playing out and where are you guys shifting your focus as an agency? Because you guys have to be on top of this stuff. So yeah. what's, where's your focus going currently? And not only currently, but you know, where do you think it'll be in a year's time? Yeah, so we've got like what we consider three families of platforms that we use to spread our clients' budget. Um, number one, social media. 
Number two is search engines. And number three is display. So i.e. programmatic. That's where like a lot of banner advertising, but you can even place digital billboards programmatically now. So we're starting to go into that space. Um, so that's sort of the digital ecosystem from an advertising point of view digitally. Um, in terms of where we feel advertising is going, um, a lot of our spend still going towards meta. Um, the thing that people can't, don't, uh, should, should realize is that there's been so much iteration and change and money put into Meta's business manager ad platform that it's very hard for another platform like TikTok to quickly adopt that. And there's a lot, lot of granular data that Meta has that TikTok doesn't have yet. Mm. TikTok probably only has, you know, when you're setting up a profile, name, email, location, I don't know, I don't use TikTok, but there's probably only a certain amount of fields there that TikTok has about you. Obviously your engagement on TikTok is a different story. That's when they can start understanding your preferences and your behaviors. But when you go over to Meta, think about the amount of information that you give Meta when you're building your own profile. It's like job, location, books you read, it's age, it's where you've traveled, checking into places. There's so much data there that still makes it quite a behemoth and leader in the game when it comes to ads. Um, you know, Meta is still something that you shouldn't ignore. Um, still somewhere where a lot of our budget is going towards. But of course, if results start declining to the point where it doesn't make sense for the advertiser to be on, we'll move over to the next most logical platform for that business. Mm -hmm. um, right now, social media in terms of where we can, I guess, uh, diversify, um, the, uh, the, the biggest two or three would be probably Pinterest, going in order, TikTok, Pinterest, and Snapchat uh, would probably be the, the sort of alternatives there. And then search engine, um, we do a lot with Google, uh, YouTube, uh, Google Display, a lot of remarketing. Bing's back on the map now because of because of the whole API, um, Chat GPT thing, yeah. Um, and yeah, a bit of display. I think is also you know for the bigger brands to be able to tap into um, a lot of banner advertising um, and also going to digital billboards, which is fascinating, you know. What's a digital billboard? So think of, you know, we, we got a partner, um, Broadsign, they're, they're, a, they're a technology solution um, that basically have a, a, a system that has upwards of 90% plus inventory of all billboards in Australia, where you can literally place a digital billboard. So, you know, you go in a supermarket and you see the screen's oh, okay. changing, yep. um, but it's not just a supermarket. You've got bus stops, you've got, you know, bathrooms, you've got um, dentist clinics. There's so many different places where these billboards pop up and you can literally go and create a campaign um, and, and choose your location, your age, your demographic, um, some interests as well. And it will, it will spit out, you know, where, where sort of your customers would be uh, moving through and you can place a campaign and if it's not working, you can pull it versus 10, 20 years ago, you'd have to literally print the picture and paste it up and, and it's stuck there for months. You know, you got some uh, movie premieres and, you know, I might say like launching January and next week it's like, you know, March and it's still up there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, they, yeah. they just leave it up there because the next, you know, the next um, advertiser hasn't bought that space. So you've got all these old billboards just sitting there, you know, um, so this digital billboard um, sort of revolution is fascinating because yeah, you're able to place media. It's the same as way as you'd place a Facebook ad. It's pretty cool. What I, I guess the question that I would have is like, you obviously have all of these different channels. Mm. What makes a great ad? Like yeah. a really, you know, like in a simple format, if you're 
someone who is wanting to run ads or you you know you've got all these different channels what is the common theme what is the commonality between what makes a great ad across all of these channels yeah uh good question the product or service has to be great first if the product or service is not great doesn't matter how good you are at advertising it's just not going to work um outside of that if the product or service is great and has a niche um what what it comes down to is that ad tapping into the customer shoes and, and their emotions and not just you know for instance an agency there's so many agencies out there talking about how good they are and you know cl- claiming what they can do for your brand but they're not really talking about the customer's needs and wants so i feel what makes a great ad is having a point of difference um, and and having uh, a story that they can convey that taps into our emotions. Because when you think about it, marketing and the psychology of marketing doesn't ever change. It's always about, um, you know, customers' emotions and how a product or service can help solve that. Um, the, the psychology should always remain the same. Obviously, the fundamentals and the structure from a platform point of view changes. Um, but yeah, what makes a great ad today is literally just thought-provoking content that um, taps into the customer's emotions. And I think if you can understand your customer as a brand, that's when you win the market. Um, and yeah, just focusing more on your customer, giving a shit about them, I think is, is really, it's that simple. Yeah, I think that's why media's had such a big part in the last 12 to 18 months. Mm. I think that's what TikTok, the platform has done, you know, with media first, you know, entertainment first. Yep. Um, like it's not much of a networking platform, is it? You don't go there for networking. You go there yeah, for entertainment. True. And I feel, I feel like that's what's changed in marketing. You know, if I look at more of a macro picture, yeah, um, is you know even with podcasts, you know, podcasts are blowing up because you you listen to a podcast because it connects with you emotionally. Like mm. I listen to the All In podcast; it's my favorite one. I don't miss a single episode, and it's four billionaires talking about business and investing in macroeconomics and politics but having banter as well and, yeah and cool so i really connect with that They're, i'm interested in these things but i connect with them emotionally i share the same beliefs as them and so mm. i think what media has done is is that in a sense it's it's kind of like you know as a company i feel like you're forced to do that now you're forced to wrap some sort of entertainment yes um, or media around your business so that you can connect emotionally yeah um as well as having a great product or service that fulfills or, or meets certain you know yeah. needs and frustrations um but people i think what i mean and maybe TikTok's driven this but it's it is that next iteration of okay well not only do they, they need to have a great service um, or a great product, but I actually need to like them too. Yes. Um, and, and there is this emotional connection that I need to share with the company. And that's why I think the first iteration really of the creator economy was influencers and creators and them coming in and being really good at that. Like your Logan Pauls, your Kim Kardashian, yeah. your Mr. Beast, these yeah. kind of guys having such success, you know, with their businesses post connecting with customers. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, the next iteration is brands, yep. is, is the bigger brands coming in, 100%. forcing them, you know, like starting a podcast or doing interview series or wrapping yeah. their company with media so that they can connect with customers on the same level. Yeah. And I think that's a good point there. I think we've almost gone 360. It's it's the focus now. It's, it's about the brand more than getting a result on an ad um, like or, or any marketing campaign. I think like when 
when Facebook was in its peak and were able to track a dollar to dollar return, you know, people were just so focused on getting the result. They didn't care. They neglected the brand. It went so far off brand guidelines. It just did not matter what it looked like so long as you get a result. Now, due to iOS, cookie-less world, you know, not able to track as easily, people are going back to building a great brand, you know, and focusing on other mediums, as you said, like podcast, you know, tapping into their organic network and, yeah, giving a shit about their customers again. I think we sort of lost that. So, in a way, silver lining with what's what's happening with this privacy-first world is that it's 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 what making business owners and brands work harder on focusing on their brand and caring about their customers and finding other ways to generate revenue outside of just an ad. And I find that quite fascinating. And I'm I'm actually all for it. You know, I'm in advertising, but I think it's a great move. Yeah, it's interesting because like we think about privacy and we think about all these, you know, antitrust and, and trust in general, but the the byproduct of this is literally trust. Yeah. It's, right? It's, like it's you it. need to build trust with yeah, your customer. That's literally it. If you're a brand, how do you do that? Apart from just delivering a product or service. And that's why I think yeah. we've made a big bet on it personally. Like we think yeah. media is really important to yeah. how you connect with customers. And I think we can see that, but 100%. yeah, I think it's interesting. And, and I mean, I'm not an advertiser, right? So yeah. hearing that from you and kind of me, the way I think about it is, you know, this, this world really is kind of going to be, I think brands will be forced to, to yeah. be, to produce media yeah because uh just like google reviews and and followers probably were previously um the producers of trust they're still going to be there but i think people want to see your person your brand's personality mm. as much as well you know so yes i'll go to google reviews but and that's previously how you maybe figured out what restaurant you want to eat at but now you know my my partner doesn't do google she does mm. TikTok mm. and she looks at TikTok and, and, and trusts what, say, the most recent influencer has said about this restaurant and wants to see the food and, and, and you know, search is very much happening there as well. So mm. it's an interesting world. Yeah, and that, I think that's the, common, like, the biggest common thread with brands that have been successful that we've worked with and had, had the opportunity to work with, you know, like Culture Kings, um, Jade up and I had the boys on recently. Um, it's it's like it's not because of the ads that we've done for them at all. It's like that's the cherry on top. It's all the other stuff that they're doing through collabs, through partnerships, through building communities, through tapping into their database. You know, doing Q and A's on Instagram uh, with their followers, giveaways. Like there's so many things that they're doing outside of just an ad. That's why people need to get it out of their heads that the ad is, you know, the, the bee's knees of their business. It's not. I think if you can get an ad working, then great. That's what we're here for. But there's so much more that you need to have ticking along. And, you know, it's, it's success doesn't come overnight for a lot of people. And people think it does from an ad. And that's just because people ruin it with all these outlandish claims and success stories that you can get from marketing. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you're dead right. Focusing on building your community, um, building trust with your customers um, and just giving a shit about, about your sort of, your, your brand and, and your customers as well. Great insight, mm. such good insight. Mate, we're gonna dive into quick fire now. Cool. Um, I always get told off by the community, so I'm not gonna preface <laughs> it. They, they getting sick of me, so I might get the boot soon. But good. mate, what's one piece of advice for your younger self? Jeez. Uh, Invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> no, no, I would. Um, look, if, if, I, if I could talk to my younger self, I would say to him, learn a hobby and stick to it or a musical inter- instrument and stick to it. The one thing that 
I sort of did as growing up was, you know, pick one thing up and drop it, pick one thing up and drop it. And I now know a little, a little about a lot, which is great. But I think like, yeah, the, 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 one, the one thing that I admire is people's ability to sort of have that consistency with sticking to one thing and build that discipline in their life. Um, so yeah, I would say stop going out and build, pick up an instrument <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or yeah. just do a hobby and, and, and yeah, sort of have that consistency. It's one thing I've struggled with a lot is just building consistency in my life. You know, I, so I, I tend to just binge everything, you know, I'll pick something up and just get over it. And look, there's a lot of benefits that comes with that in a business because I, again, know a, a lot about a little, a, a little about a lot. But yeah, I think um, there's so much more to life, isn't there, than just going out and you know, socialising with your mates. I think uh, learning those good habits from a young age, um, you know, tends to reap rewards when you're older. Mm, so true. Mm. So true. I think. I also think. Um, there's a good lesson there with like discipline yeah but also discipline as an outlet yeah you know like uh being a business owner uh having something outside of your business to work on consistently consistently and have discipline too is a very rewarding and freeing feeling in a sense you know like i've recently taken up golf and you know if i'm stressed i find business can always bring you a lot of stress but at the same time you need to be able to have something else to work on because otherwise you will just get fucking absorbed with it and it will eat you and it and then that will feed into everything else such as relationships mm. um you know you know being able to just switch the brain to something else yes and to just but to get better at something else yeah right so that you're only because business is such a wavy fucking process. Like there is just highs and there is lows. Yeah. And in both times, being centered and driven in another facet of your life is, I find, is is um is something that can be really helpful. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. I think I had a shoulder operation a year and a half ago, so I wasn't able to do any sort of activity. It was during COVID as well, lockdown. Um, so I guess it was a bit of a, a good timing to, to sort of rest at home. But yeah, I fell into just bad habits, eating poorly, you know, drinking on the weekends because I couldn't go out and physically do things. You know, I, I'm quite active and was very active growing up. Surf, skate, snowboard, wakeboard, anything with a board attached to it, I'd, I'd give it a, a go. And, you know, living, uh, grow, growing up in Cronulla and being close to the beach, I was, I was sort of lucky to have access to a lot of water sports and, you know, being at a, a GPS school and, you know, having to and almost be forced to play sport at school as well, mm -hmm. naturally very active. But yeah, 100% without having those outlets, it's very easy just to be sitting on your phone, going to work, come home, watch TV, and then on the weekends, go to a pub. Like, that's what a lot of society does. You get trapped in those habits and we're, we're creatures of habit, right? So yeah, building those good discipline sort of focused um, hobbies or whatever it is when you're younger um, and, and continuing to do them when you get older. It's not, not an excuse because we're getting older that you can stop doing that. You know, look, Kelly Slater is 51, still surfing. You know, he's a pro athlete, but, you know, he's, he's, there's so many people out there that I know that are, you know, in their 60s that are getting out and still surfing and playing golf, whatever it is. But, yeah, having something to switch off. I, mean, I, I today do a lot of art, so I paint. Um, you know, I try and surf a little bit, but I don't, don't as much as I used to. And, yeah, a bit of tennis and golf. Um, so I think if you've got a few things to double between, it definitely helps break up the routine. Love it. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting a business? Yeah, um, 
I, I touched on this earlier, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, and I think really think about where you see yourself in the next five to 10 years and um, you know, build something that's gonna get you there rather than thinking of a quick win. I think, I don't know, younger generation and we're all at fault of doing it, but this whole immediate gratification from what this fast moving digital world is presenting us um, really, I think cripples, um, you know, people not building a sort of authentic uh, self. So, you know, I think if business owners, if you think about getting a business, think about something that makes you happy and that you want to keep doing in the next five, 10 years and something that can scale as well. Um, you know, one thing that I've sort of come to terms with is it's great hitting those milestones when you first, you know, build a business and start winning, but having something to scale with as well is very important when, you know, you're five, 10 years down the track. Um, and it's not to say that you have to do one thing for the rest of your life, but um, yeah, iterate as much as you can. Um, you know, perfection is the, is the enemy of progress and um, get out and do it, but don't just do it because someone told you to do it, you know, have, have reason behind it. Love it, love it. That's great advice. I think that's the one thing now, I mean, I've owned businesses for a, a long time, but I think now that that's probably something I'm more aware of. Mm. You know, you, I think it's very hard if you don't have previous training. I never went to uni. I did, but I didn't, didn't continue it up and hated it. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I think now, I, forgot, I forgot all my uni studies anyway. <laughs> yeah, but uh, for me, but that's what I mean. Like, I think when you go through some university degree, especially in business, you yeah. have some sort of formal training there. And I think for me now, more than anything, I think my formal training's just come from trials and tribulations and failures. So now I think that's just something that I'm aware of when, when I'm building my business and I've got a plan. I do have mm. a 10 year plan. Yeah. You know, and I know where I want the business to be in 12. Three, 12 months, three years, five years, 10 years, yeah. um, and, and what that will look like. And that's very daunting when you first start a business to be thinking about that. So mm. if you can do some research and understand things such as structure and mm. and these kind of things, I think you know you, you can execute to a plan even though they don't normally go to, you know, go to plan, but so it, it's a great point. 100%. What's the most important trait that a founder must have for success and why? Jeez, thick skin. Um, I think also having the ability to sell is, is pretty important. I think one thing that, you know, I'm naturally a marketer, probably the one skill set that I didn't master before starting the business that I had to learn throughout having a business was being a good salesperson. And, and learning how to acquire customers because at, at the end of the day, I don't care what anyone says, if you don't know how to bring revenue into a business, then it's gonna suffer, your business will fail. Um, revenue solves all your problems in a business um, and is, is the, it's the beating heart to the operation of your business. Um, and, and not to say that you should just be chasing money. I mean, last year we had upwards of 20 people in the team and you know we're chasing this crazy uh, figure that we could never quite get to and as a result created a lot of stress and pressure um, so I, I think yeah you gotta you gotta be able to um, have thick skin learn to cop values on your head really quickly and learn to take values as as learnings not failures um, you know I'd love it when I learn and if I'm not learning it gives me anxiety I actually don't like comfort 
that's one thing as well. I think, and I'm not, uh, business, being a business owner or an entrepreneur is certainly not for everybody. There's a lot of people out there I know that are just not suited for it and nor should they be. And nor do they even want to. It, there's a lot of pressure, stress, um, you know, and there's no one telling you what to do when you're running your own business, aside from maybe the ATO and your accountant. Um, but yeah, you got to know how to make quick decisions. And I think that's one th- thing I'm pretty good at is making quick decisions and sticking to, to your sort of int- intuition as well. Um, and, and being organized um, is, is another really important thing. So it's not, yeah, it, there's a few things there. Yeah. It's not just one thing. Um, but yeah, I think, I think having thick skin um, and just being able to get up, you know, if you have a shit day, wake up the next day and just move on with it. Yeah, thick skin's important. I mean, uh, in a B2B service especially. You yeah, know, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, like, you know, at some oh, point you're going to cop it. So. Maybe, maybe I picked the wrong industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you find out that pretty quickly. Yeah, um, agencies are tough, man. Yeah, they're not easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mate, last thing. Is there a startup story that you look back on that you kind of look back and go, that was wild, or that was like, I can't believe we did that, or I can't believe we went through that, that you can share? Like, I find that wasn't on the brief, by the way, but yeah. it's, I mean, I, I think startups have this, the, the, the common theme with a startup is, or when you meet a founder is, there's these stories that you can tell where you get to connect with that individual and you go, wow, like I could tell you a million stories like that. Is there something that comes to mind for you that you think, just look back, I can go far out. Like, how did that happen? Our journey? Yeah, just in general. Yeah. Like, it might, it doesn't have to be like a, a, a macro thing. It could just be like a specific story. Maybe it was, you know, you know, some people, like Steve Jobs working in his garage type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. It's, um, it's, it's, a, it's one I've actually struggled with a bit. You know, people always having, um, you know, adversity with their life or through business. And, I've always been a bit nervous. I'm like, fuck, something's going to happen because it's, you know, everyone says that you're going to go through shit eventually. Um, look, there's been lots of probably little stories, nothing major. We've had crazy clients, you know, threaten, you know, real nasty stuff to us, you know, like legal action, blah, blah, blah. And you just got to learn to just go, you know, part ways, you're not for us, here's your money back sort of thing before it gets ugly. Um, so I think we've avoided a lot of hairy situations. Um, naturally through making quick decisions, but also I've always kept my reputation management really close to me. I've always been really careful of that. And I'd much rather part with a client or not win a business if it's gonna mean that, you know, that's gonna make me lose sleep at night. I think, um, look, last year was probably, aside from the first year in terms of running, you know, three different jobs, starting the business. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was, there's a lot of wild stories there, you know, working, Geez, at my other companies, trying to consult, then doing, you know, closing the pub at night and getting into fights and, you know, police rocking up at our door because we had a pub in Woolloomooloo. So, you know, you can imagine what goes on in that area. <laughs> you know, that was a crazy year. There's a lot of different stories that came into that year. But I think like last year, um, you know, going from COVID and having a bit of a false sense of security of all this cash in the bank mm. um, from, you know, just having a bit of a tax relief from the government. And then we go, okay, rather than just being a bit more virtual, which a lot of companies did, we go, let's double down and double the team and, you know, get, do, a, do a 50 grand fit out in an office, which is, you know, not much to some, but for a small business it is. Um, and it, we, we've got to, still got that beautiful office. It's been great. But again, it's just like looking back on it, it was all these crazy decisions we made um, that really caused a lot of stress and pressure on us uh, last year from... I don't know if it was ego or just trying to get to that next level always, you know, trying to strive to that next level. 
and chasing that figure, you know, and just losing everything else, you know, neglected getting out and networking, you know, doing, doing, you know, this sort of stuff and traveling. Like there's a lot of stuff that I just neglected because I was just chasing one thing and, you know, that was the wrong thing to chase. But yeah, I think looking back on it, it was just, uh, it was pretty crazy just having, I think it was like, went from six to 15 people in the office at one time. And um, yeah, I was like, I'm looking around one day and it's like, how, what do I do? <laughs> you know, how do I, like people just hitting me up with HR questions. Oh my God, I'm not used to this. So yeah, yeah throwing myself in the deep end uh, taught me a lot. Um, we went through a lot of growing pains, a lot, a lot of lessons, but I think everything happens for a reason. And we've come out the other end, you know, better. Um, I think I've built a lot more stability and comfort in the right, in, in running the business now. And, you know, we've, we've removed shiny objects and, you know, we've come off the back of a record month last month. So, you know, with every, with every failures and struggles you have in business, there's always got to be a silver lining. Love it, mate. Mate, I want to say a massive thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, a lot of valuable insights there. Where can people find GMS, yourself, you know, if they're interested in finding out a little bit more about the business? Yeah, absolutely. Um, GMS Media Group, just search us up on Google. We've got pretty good SEO. <laughs> uh, our handle's at gms.co, and you can look us up www.gmsmediagroup.com. Beautiful. Once again, mate, thank you for coming on the show. Marto, thanks for putting this together. And to our community, a massive thank you to you guys. 200 reviews officially on Spotify, which is a massive, um, huge milestone. And we hope you've enjoyed the episode. We'll see you next week.